to another episode of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined by Ben Gessling from the Indiana Convention Center in Indianapolis, where at least it's not hailing and tornado sirens going on outside. No, not today. <laughs> well, at least not this afternoon. I think it's probably after midnight that we had that happening, but um, not currently. It, it looks sunny outside and winds have dipped just slightly under 40 miles an hour, so that's good. We will discuss uh, a bevy of uh, factors here around the Minnesota Vikings, including whether or not the sirens are blaring for Kirk Cousins' extension or Justin Jefferson's extension, or whether or not we see smoke coming from the uh, chimney on a quarterback getting drafted. Whether any footballs will fill the air at Lucas Oil Stadium for many of these quarterbacks who might or might not be throwing. They'll be throwing indoors if they are. That's true. Yeah, reportedly it was a Caleb Williams. Jaden Daniels are not participating. I I don't know what the word was on Drake May. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I heard on him. Either way, it, it's it's um, plenty of stuff to discuss with the Minnesota Vikings, plenty of things to get into after we talked with Kwesi Adolfo Mensa and Kevin O'Connell um, amongst us local reporters. Also heard from them at the podium uh, among the throng of reporters. There's got to be like 100 or 200 media here. Yep. It's insane. It gets bigger and bigger every single year. Um, the Vikings, though, have some big decisions to make, obviously, and much of the talk revolved around Kirk Cousins. You wrote about yesterday um, their comments from the podium, but what stood out to you about just our side session with them as we get to follow up with the questions about, you know, Kirk's uh, negotiations, this draft class, them speaking to the guys here, just all of the above? Well, I think they've been pretty clear this week, both today and yesterday, that they do want him back. I mean, I don't think there's much doubt about that. We have kind of had these discussions throughout the offseason of, you know, how much do they really want him? I think they want him, but they're also probably not going to move heaven and earth to do it because it's going to cost them a lot of money. And I think they certainly are interested in drafting a quarterback as well. So that does put kind of a, not an expiration date, but it puts probably a limit on how long of a relationship you're looking to have with Kirk Cousins. And that may affect the structure of the contract which may affect how you can play all of it with the cap so all of these things are are part of the equation here and they really have to make a decision in less than two weeks on this because if we get to the first day of the league year and he is on the roster the 28 and a half million dollars that would hit for void money that all hits there's no going back from that so your sort of point of no return is March March 12th, I think, is, is that Tuesday. So they have to have it done before the last day of the league year or there's really no way to make any type of a contract with Kirk Cousins work, which means he is going to free agency and going somewhere else unless he's going to come back here and play for like a million dollars, which, spoiler alert, he's not. So that's your deadline, basically. All of this has to get figured out. At least the, the Cousins component of this has to get figured out in less than two weeks. That's wild because, I mean, we asked Kwesi, um today in the side session with the local reporters about, you know, what, what's your sense on how far Kirk's going to take this? Like, yeah. Do you feel like you're going to be going up to that deadline? He basically said, I, I don't know. I can't tell you that it seems like that it's obviously at Kirk's behest of whether or not he's going to take the deal that's on the table for the Vikings or whether or not he finds a deal elsewhere. This, to me, says that whatever offer the Vikings do have for him is not one that he can't refuse. Right. Right, or at least not one that he's not willing to go shop around with because my assumption would be that he is going to 
see what's out there or, you know, kind of measure what is out there against these other things. And I guess there's no reason not to do that because officially he can't talk to anybody until March 11th when that negotiating window opens. Um, We are at the Combine. Kirk Cousins is not at the Combine, but most of the NFL decision makers are at the Combine for the better part of this week. If you don't think that negotiations happen at these things, uh, I have a bridge in over a swamp in Florida to tell you to we'll combine the two cliches about the, the gullibility <laughs> thing. But um, yeah, there, this stuff is all going to get started here, is probably getting started as we speak, and he will get a chance to see what else is out there. I will be very interested to see if there's another team that looks him looks at him as a fit because we know he can play we've seen that but we also know he's 35 he will be 36 in august he's coming off an achilles injury that cost him half of a season and the vikings have more information about that injury and his rehab from it than anybody else they have been very bullish on how he's doing he put the video up on Monday, the day that everybody got here, of him dropping back and throwing. Again, if you think the timing of that is a coincidence, we should have a longer conversation. Um, So some of that is to show other teams that he is healthy and you can invest in him, but is he going to be somebody's five-year plan? I think that's probably a little bit of a stretch. So how many teams are going to be good fits for him to drive the price up beyond what the Vikings can do? I I think it's going to be an interesting question. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion. The hope. The anticipation. That incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. Yeah, it's it's fascinating what we've both heard too about Kirk and about you know yeah. w- and what we know about him over five six years now yep. of, of covering him. But certainly, what we keep hearing as he ages and that this guy is still and when he goes to the podium, he talks about memories from high school, yes. memories from college, memories from early NFL, and how He's got much a memory room in his house, as we saw on <laughs> oh, that's uh, right <laughs> on Netflix. <laughs> So this guy is clearly still driven and rooted in you know where he came from and what made him who he is and and all those things said, you know he still wants to be shown that he's the guy yep. from from a team and if the Vikings aren't willing as we've reported they weren't willing to guarantee him two years last year or no it would have been three they, he wanted three guaranteed I think they were willing to do two that's right so it's twenty twenty five which now this year would be the second year of a deal. Um, you know, he wanted to be shown that security. And he said it the last time he spoke to us, I think it was the last time of the season when he said structure of the contract is most important to me over the total. He said something like, I've made enough money in my life or whatever. And some people will take that as like, oh, I'll take a hometown discount. Well, no, the issue is clearly, if you read between all these lines and take this context in, it's the guarantees of the Vikings basically saying, we cannot guarantee you the, the money of a starting quarterback in year two or year three. If the Falcons or the Steelers or or Broncos or somebody, the Commanders would be the other one. That'd I would be insane. It would be insane. <laughs> um, that's but, the other one that 
kind of sticks in the back of my mind. I don't know how he'd go with Cliff Kingsbury, but anyway. The difference maker, though, is going to be if a team come ponies up those two to three years fully yeah. guaranteed. If they say, you know what, Kirk, here's your $40.5 that puts you right over Daniel Jones, and here's the, the next three years. You're our guy. I would have a hard time thinking he wouldn't jump at that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's, say it's Atlanta, and I think that's the team everybody keeps throwing out because – there's connections on the coaching staff in terms of guys that worked in a similar scheme, guys guys that come from yeah. the latest branch of the Sean McVay tree. So Zach Robinson's our offensive coordinator, was the pass game coordinator in L.A. post Kevin O'Connell coming to Minnesota. Similar scheme there. They have a lot of talent on offense. I think you can debate, is it a better or worse situation than the Vikings? I, you know, We can have that conversation. I don't know. I I would take what the Vikings have offensively over what the Falcons have, but, you know, whatever. That's a, a different discussion. Um, and his wife is from Atlanta. So I, I think as he's talking about, well, where do I want to have my family? And, and he mentioned a little bit of that. I think there's probably some level of comfort that would come with that. Yeah. The family is from there. He spends a lot of time there in the offseason kind of staying with her family. Hmm. So – I think all of that stuff would make them an attractive alternative, especially if they were to say, we are going to guarantee that you're going to be our starter yeah. like through age 38 or something. Because um, he's talked about wanting to play long enough that his kids can remember it. And, and I think that would put him more in that range. Um, will they want to do that? Will they offer him what he's looking for? I think is a, an open question. But, yeah, I, I think – your point is good in the sense that um, they probably haven't offered him enough to just have him say, I've seen all I need to see. I don't need to go check anything out. Yeah, because Quasey said the same thing about Kirk that he said about Justin back in September when those negotiations did not cross the finish line and saying that, hey, I would like to get these things done sooner rather than later. But clearly what he's not saying is that we've got a line that we're not willing to step over that that player wants us to meet. And I think I I can't remember – the full context of this, but it was basically regarding Justin. It was like, we've given you so much. Now we just need to give you a little more. And they just weren't willing to do that. Yeah. You know, and with Kirk, it seems like they do, they still have that hard line that they drew last year um, that they weren't willing to cross. And and Kirk took the one year deal. And um, I don't know if the one year deal is something he's even going to entertain this time around because he's a true free agent. Yeah. I, I would have a hard time imagining that he would, unless he looks at it and says, you know, well, let me, bet on myself and he's done that in the past let me bet on myself let me go have one more good year and I don't I couldn't tell you what the free agent class of 2025 for quarterbacks looks like I this one is not particularly impressive such that he may have suitors this year but you know maybe there are other teams that need a quarterback in a year you know maybe the (laughs) if the Brock Purdy thing I think they're probably going to stick with Brock Purdy but Know, maybe at some point if the, the never-ending uh, Kyle Shanahan sort of fates have not aligned, yeah. you know, maybe that does, I don't know. But I would have a hard time seeing a one-year deal. I would think two or three is probably what you're talking about. Yeah, and at that point, I, you have to wonder if the Vikings are fully guaranteeing those two or three or if he's going to have to accept a partial guarantee, which then puts – I mean, he knows. And the, the transition for our conversation here is like – he knows they're looking at quarterbacks here in yes. Indianapolis. He knows, and they've been open in their conversations with him about what their expectations are and what they want to do with their their franchise. Um, 
And it was interesting to hear from both Quasi and Kevin on the record today about how um, when they were watching this quarterback class that they've been watching for a long time, you've talked about how they, they liked this class better than last year's and maybe yep. even the year next year in 2025. Yep. This 2024 class was one that they've really, really liked. And they both said it's great to come down here and have things just confirmed for you of like what you thought about a guy in terms of his personality or his leadership or what you thought about a guy in terms of, Hey, let's turn this play on and you misfire a ball. Tell me what happened there. They seem to be pretty, in, they didn't get into specifics of who they were talking to, yeah. but I had asked them just about generally, what have you thought of these quarterbacks, these top quarterbacks now that you've gotten to see them up close? And they said, they seem glowing in terms of what we've seen and what they've confirmed and, uh, it seems they're no less enamored than they were a week ago. Yeah, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I suppose we could get into how much of that is posturing, sure. um, saying we like enough of them, we don't need to trade up, or we like enough of them that, Kirk, we're not going to come back begging yeah. to you. I mean, there, there are <laughs> yeah. a number of places you could send signals. but It's lying season. It is lying season, <laughs> but they have, I mean, I think we've heard enough to think that they like this class, and you know, if you just line things up too, it's like it's year three for these guys yeah. to go into this job, which does not have Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow or Josh Allen at the quarterback position, where it's like set it and forget it mm-hmm. for the next eight to ten years. If you're in year three and you haven't really put your stamp on it yet, especially for the GM. I would think it's going to be hard to sit here too much longer and say, well, we'll worry about that down the road. I mean, I think you're going to want to take your crack at it and say this is our our plan for the long term before you get too much further into this thing. So it is an interesting situation with Cousins because, you know, it's the, it's the thing it always is. He's good enough yeah. to keep you in it. He's good enough that you're not picking number one. He's not quite good enough that you say, well, um, this job is yours until you're 40 if you want it, and we don't even need to worry about it. Yeah, and the math that the Vikings are doing is, well, is Kirk Cousins not on our roster and $26 million or $8 million, What is it, 6 or 26 or 28? $28 million. $28.5 of dead money is, is paying is that much, is eating it up front and not having him and then having 40 million extra next year, whatever the math turns out yeah. to be, is that, is that worth more to us as the Vikings and just signing Baker Mayfield for whatever, or signing Sam Darn or who what a plug in, you know, the, the journeyman that you have as a placeholder uh, and then trading your entire mortgage, mortgaging everything to move up for, for one of your guys, the math they're doing there is, is figuring out, yeah, how much can you win with him while you're paying him? Yeah. And you got to pay Justin Jefferson. You got to pay Christian Derrissaw. You just paid T.J. Hawkinson. Uh, fortunately, I guess you don't have anybody to pay on defense. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> but unless you, they pray to Neil Hunter, but I don't <laughs> think either of us think that's terribly likely. No. So it, it, they've got a lot of puzzle pieces to figure out. But I guess the crux of what I keep picking up from them is that they understand that this is the most important position in sports, and I just wouldn't be shocked. And we got this notion from them two months ago when the season ended. I just wouldn't be shocked if they do it all. Yeah. If they try to, if they, they're, they are trying to do it all right now. Yes, it's just a matter are. of whether or not they can in terms of re-signing Kirk and drafting the next guy. And there's legitimate questions of, well, what are you, how are you repairing the rest of the roster yeah. if you're investing all of your resources at quarterback? But if you're a GM, if you get that figured out, 
all the rest, everybody forgets about the rest. Yep. You know, it didn't matter that Josh Allen and the Bills struggled and then they had to add digs and they had to add pieces. It just took some time, but they had the guy. Well, I'm Same like, with- how many crappy Packers teams have yeah. we watched where it's like guys number four through 53 are just not that good? Yeah. But when number one is Aaron Rodgers, number two is Devontae Adams, and number three is like, you know, take your pick, David Bakhtiari, Jair Alexander, yeah. you know, one of the, a, a talent at one of the other premium positions, it makes up for a lot. Yeah. And um, Matt Miller, the ESPN draft analyst, was saying earlier this week that he had mocked Michael Penix in the second round to them. And he, I mean, a lot of these guys don't do trades in their mocks. But yeah. so he had the Vikings taking Dallas Turner out of Alabama and edge rusher had Michael Penix in the second round at number 42. Um, but his whole thing was like, you can, they might even be able to afford to wait to the second round because of how good their situation is with yeah. Jefferson, with Hawkinson, with Darisaw and Brian O'Neill. Um, in theory, that sounds nice. Um, but you have to imagine that if they love JJ McCarthy, if they leave here in Indian, and they say, we can't, you know, leave the first round without JJ McCarthy. I would absolutely see them trading up to six to eight or whatever to get the guy. Um, or if they, they think, boy, it's just Williams, Daniels and May. I could absolutely see them sending the farm to New England to yeah. get that number three pick. Um, we are not saying, however, that they have had that conversation. <laughs> no, 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 no. Internet. And we should also mention on this podcast that they uh, also apparently have had zero conversations about trading Justin Jefferson. Yes. Quase Adolfo, Men- Quase Adolfo Mensa said that that has not once crossed my mind. He's a blue chip player, a blue chip person. Um and then he went on to talk about all the many reasons why they still are optimistic about extending him, about keeping him long-term in Minnesota. So I don't, I think all the hand-wringing online on blogs and all that about Jefferson is just much ado about nothing because if Jefferson, if they wouldn't have approached Jefferson a year ago about contract talks and they just started this year, we're not talking about any of this. We're doing it just because, and when I say we, I mean the public is hand wringing about it just because they didn't get the deal done initially. Now they're still trying to do it again. And frankly, you mentioned when we were talking to Quasi and O'Connell, this stuff usually doesn't get done until training. Right. Right. So we might be talking about this for another six months going into the summer because deadlines for actions and frankly the deadline's not going to be until he put pads on again right right because nobody's gonna be terribly upset if he skips otas again yeah. and if he skips everything but the mini camp even if he skips mini camp i don't think anybody's gonna be terribly worried about it so yes it tends to be the eve of training camp where these things get done and that's kind of what i would expect is the deadline again this year i mean yeah, yeah i mean you're right the the fact that everybody is sitting here saying, well, is this going to get done? Is there a rift? It's like, no. It It's just that we started this earlier. This got into the conversation earlier than it normally would, and that does change things because I, I think, as Quasi said yesterday, somebody has to absorb risk here. It's either that the team says, we are guaranteeing years down the road on top of the two – at that point, that we still have control, not to mention any franchise tag years, we are basically saying we will buy those years out for a higher rate in guaranteed cash, assuming that you will stay healthy, you will stay productive, all of those things. Or it's the player saying, I will take the risk of not signing this now and waiting and yeah. putting myself at injury risk. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, getting uh, at risk of, you know, a 
patellar tendon tear right. or whatever. Something worse than what he had last year. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it makes a ton of sense why that this hasn't come together yet. And Kwesi has actually gone far enough to lay out, you know, when you try to get a new deal done with a player who has two years left on their rookie deal, it's that much more difficult to make the money work because the agent views the agencies view these as one deal, whereas the Vikings view it as two separate deals. Like, no, you got your rookie deal, and then we're going to extend you with an extra deal. So if you're doing a five-year extension with Jefferson, he has two years left, you're talking about a seven-year contract. Yeah. How do you make that a $30 million average? It has to be a $210 million yeah. contract yeah. or whatever. And I guess he would have had $25 million on the old deal. So do the math. But point being, it would have had to have been so much more to make the average work, which is what players, agents, right. they, they all care about. Right. In terms of saying, I'm the highest average paid player. Well, if you had two years of a minimal capped salary, that means the back-end deal has to be that much more expensive that the team's clearly not willing to do. And the Vikings still felt like, I think Quasey said, we were unbelievably close to getting a deal yeah. done in yeah. September. Then Nick Bosa goes and gets $34 million as the highest non-quarterback in the NFL. Quasey stood up the podium and said, we want to make him one of the highest yes. non-quarterbacks in the NFL. He didn't say the highest. Not the highest. <laughs> one of the highest, Internet. Um, yeah, I my understanding is that it got very, very close last year, and it was a lot about guarantee stuff, and I don't think that means that they weren't willing to break their – sort of Rick Spielman era precedent on guaranteeing more than one year because they did it with TJ Hawkinson that's the other thing we should point out internet is that they did change this with TJ Hawkinson I don't think that was the hang-up I think it was just that there were a lot of pieces to figure out when you're going to do it this early and yeah I think everybody kind of had their lines that well you know you mentioned deadlines for action it's like the deadline is not last year, really. I mean, it was. Uh, it'd be nice to do this. It's not a we have to do this in September of 2023. Yeah, and, and the only thing that could really harm the Vikings is if Jamar Chase goes and signs a deal that raises the floor. Yeah. However, Jamar Chase said last September, I hope Justin sets the floor for me. Yes. So Jamar is sitting there waiting for Justin probably before. If I'm Jamar, I don't touch a negotiation until Jefferson right. signs. Right, especially with Mike Brown. I mean, yeah. that's not a guy that's the like, yeah. I mean, I suppose they did it for Burrow, but it's not typically a team that's just like eager to start handing out fistfuls of cash. Yeah. I saw some chart where it was like the amount they guaranteed Burrow. I can't remember. I'm hyperbolizing, but it was like four or five times the amount they've ever guaranteed anybody else ever in us on a single yeah. contract. Um, so yeah, you're right. The Bengals notoriously cheap. I imagine that the Vikings are not Somebody else, I guess I didn't even think about this till now, but something else that could throw a wrench into it is if someone tops Bosa as the highest non pit But I don't know who that would be. I haven't yeah. looked into it. It's not going to be, be a pass rusher, right? Yeah, it's not going to be Daniel Hunter, who's 29 going yeah. on 30. Um, but I, let's let's move on to Daniel because he's somebody that Quasey mentioned when asked about it saying, hey, we've had these negotiations for a couple years. Yes, they have. So to me, that didn't seem optimistic. And, yeah. and his whole answer didn't seem optimistic and just saying, you know what, we'll, you know, we'll have good dialogue, we'll get back to it kind of thing. Um, I think they're fully expecting Daniil to test that market, not only test it, but dive headfirst into it. And for my conversations with Daniil, I expect him and throughout the season and the end of the season, I expect him to take the highest offer there. Well, yeah, I I would think that's probably what he's thinking because the deal he signed in 2018, which is basically almost letter for letter what Stefan Diggs got, uh, which, um, you know, uh, doing that at at 
23 years old as a choice. Um, and I get why you do, because there's a lot of guaranteed money. I mean, it, anybody, it's a lot of money to sit there and say, no, I'm good. I'm going to wait. But that put him under team control for a long time, because in, in those days, what they would typically do is keep his the last year of his rookie deal and then tack five years onto it. So basically it was six years of control, which I think is what his was at the time. And you're basically capping the rest of his prime at really, really affordable rates for the team. And he does that, and then he gets hurt in 2020, and then that's the point at which his camp starts to make noise about, we don't really like this deal. It's like, it's an odd time to do it when you're not sitting there with a ton of leverage, but they did continue to move money up and renegotiate his deal, and, and he didn't get a lot of new money, but they did advance kind of when he would get some of that cash by a number of months. So it wasn't like they were unwilling to work with him when he wasn't sitting there with a ton of leverage, but that frustration over that contract and the fact that it has not been kind of wholesale replaced has been there for a long time, and I don't think he's going to, at age 29 and a half, say, you know what, no, I'm going to settle for something affordable. I, I think this is, if I want to get my big swing, this is it. It's felt like they've been looking, him and his agent, have been looking for that big swing since screwing up. Yes. Uh, and yep. you mentioned him being young, and I, I remember asking Daniil about that this past year, and him, he basically said, I, was, I felt like when I signed that deal, I was still a rookie. Yeah. And saying about how young I was coming into the league, wasn't even 21 yet, um, you know, just how quick the ascension was. He just didn't see the game and the business for what it was. And then he gets hurt. And I'd asked him, I think it was the last game, where do they play it? Detroit. And I asked him in the locker room about like, if this is it with the Vikings, like, what are you going to remember? And he said, I'm going to remember getting back on that field because I thought it was over. After the neck? Yeah. he thought. And so when you talk about him being unhappy with the contract in October of 2020, which is a couple months right after he had surgery, yeah. basically. Um, I, I think I'm, I'm um, speculating, but putting everything together, it would seem like he felt like this can all be taken away from yeah. me. I'm going to try and exercise whatever leverage I have, even though it's totally depleted yeah. by the injury. Could have been an emotional thing there a yeah. little bit. Yeah. And he, cause it wasn't the report. Like he wanted to be the highest paid defender. And yes. it's like, dude, you just broke your neck. Yes. <laughs> like, or, or, you know, you had a, yeah. a pinched nerve that, or a few, they had, they had to do a, a disc, wasn't it? Yeah. They did do a, a vertebrae fusion yep. on his neck and not he, a tweak. Not a, not a tweak, Mike Zimmer. So anyway, it, his story is one where he is so confident in who he is, and so he's at such. Uh, he seems to be at such peace with you know how good he is, mm -hmm. and he thinks he's one it's of the really good. He thinks he's one of the top defenders in the league and wants to get paid like it. And the Vikings, with all their bills, we said this on the podcast at the end of the season. I just don't see where he fits. Yeah. If they're prioritizing Cousins and if they're prioritizing Jefferson, and I don't even think they need to do Darisaw this year. They're going to run into the same yep. issues they ran into with Jefferson yep. in terms of a Darisaw deal. Yep. But that's on the horizon. And and if you're paying Daniil, that's a f two, three, four, five. It's probably a three to five year deal yep. that he's looking for. And that's going to carry into age 32, 33, whatever seasons. How much can you really guarantee there? So uh, to me, the writing's on the wall that this guy's probably gone. Yeah. And then what are they doing? We weren't we even, as you mentioned, we're not even talking about the defense. Like, what, yeah. are, what are they doing there? Well, yeah, the pass <laughs> rush, I think, is it's a big need with or without him. And that ties in, I think, a little bit into the other reason why I don't see him back here. Because my sense of it has been that their evaluation of him is 
great player, like really, really good player, not singular game wrecker, nothing you can do to stop him will work type player. Um, that's kind of how he's looking to be paid. And I think their evaluation has been, we don't see you quite as that. You know, especially, I, I mean, it was first year in a different system, and, and I don't think anybody was particularly fond of Ed Donatel's system. Obviously, when they got him out of that, he had a tremendous year under Brian Flores. But I know in 2022, there was a little bit of, well, Zedarius Smith is getting a lot of the attention from opposing offenses. You should be eating with the, the matchups you're getting, especially in one-on-one situations. And you're productive. You're, you're really good, but you're not like, we don't have an answer for this guy type production. And I think they would still look at it that way a little bit. So, you know, what does that translate into in terms of dollars? You know, it's probably, they, would they be willing to do 22, 23 a year? I'm sure they would. Um, but Montez Sweat just got 24 and a half. Right, exactly. And, okay, so say it's 25. That's still different than 31 yeah. or 33 or whatever. I mean, you know, we're, we're talking about gradations here, but gradations have prices attached to them, and they have a lot of other business to do. So that's the other piece of why I don't think he's here. And then that's why the pass rush becomes a really big need because, yeah, who else do you have? I mean, DJ Wanham's a free agent. Do yeah. they do that? He's coming off an injury. Um, that's a that's a big concern. I'm not saying there would ever be tampering going on at the combine, but one thing I did hear is that the Bears are an interested party with Daniil. For Lions too. Uh, and so is that exactly is that lying lying season? Is how much of that's truthful? How much of that is just a division rival doing a smart thing of trying to up a market for yeah. a guy that they hope gets the heck out of here. To be clear, I said lions, not lying. No, I know. I yeah. know. Yeah. I'm just saying it's also lying season. Yes, so it's it like is. How much can you trust of like what you're hearing? Cause things are whispered that are clearly trying to, yeah. to get you to report something that's not true in order to influence a market or a player right. or a team. Right. So it's like you, you hear that the bears, the lions, whatever. And it's like, okay, uh, they would obviously want Daniel to have as many suitors as possible so then he can have a high enough market that either hurts the Vikings' salary situation or just gets them out of there, Yeah, which you would want as a division rival. Well, and the other piece of that, too, is if you were a team that was interested in spooking – or if, sorry, if you were an agent that was interested in spooking the Vikings, yeah. what better way to do it than to name the two teams in your division that have money – and yeah. may have a need for him and all of a sudden would be paying him to play against you twice a year and influence the way that the division looks for the next several years. So both of those teams have money. I think there's a fit there, but we should also, I mean, the name of the game this time of year is <laughs> grains of salt. You have to take all of this stuff with a grain of salt and kind of try to Hold it loosely as best you can. Yeah, um, We should mention uh, Kevin O'Connell started his press conference in Indianapolis here by saying how grateful he was to have the entire coaching staff or most of it back in place, uh, especially the three coordinators yep. this time around. Yep. The big name, Brian Flores, did not get a single, uh, basically a single slip turned in for, for an interview request for a head coaching job. So what what do you make of what Kevin and Quasey had to say about that today and, and just that situation in general? Yeah, it's, I mean, we've talked about it a little bit. I and O'Connell basically said it today. It was not something he was pursuing super aggressively. I 
never felt like he was going to be out banging the drum for a job you know, for a couple of reasons. I, I do think what he has said about liking it here is true. Um, I think he has enjoyed the fit. I think he is probably pretty well compensated for the defensive coordinator as that goes. He has a lot of autonomy doing what he wants on defense, including kind of saying, I'm going to build a scheme from scratch. Okay, let's do it. Um, I think there's that. And I also think having been through what he went through, you're not going to just jump at anything with no kind of assurances of what you're getting into. So I think it was something that, you know, if the right thing came along, I think if the Patriots came along, that was going to be a different story. But obviously they hired Gerard Mayo and, and that job doesn't come open. The Steelers didn't move on from Mike Tomlin, especially after they started to kind of come back at the end of the season. So short of those, I I didn't think there was going to be a great fit. Also probably, I mean, there's still eight openings. So did he get uh, – shunned from those at all because of the ongoing lawsuit I wouldn't be shocked if that had a factor in things but I also don't think he was out there um, actively trying to get one of these jobs so good for them I think in the end you also asked about whether or not the scheme that Brian put in place was a product of the personnel and what they had to do or what he wants to do yeah and I thought the answer was interesting and I believe Kevin or I can't remember which person. Yeah, it was it. Kevin. Kevin said the latter in terms of saying that it was personnel driven. Yeah, Isn't that what he was saying. Yeah, he said it was basically we felt like it was the best for us in 2023. Um, I almost said 2024, but we felt it was the best for us that with that group, and it will continue to evolve. I think there are a lot of things in there that will probably stay, but they also kind of looked like they got figured out at the end of the season and. You need corners that can cover. I mean, that that is a big, big, big need. Um, if they don't have organic ways to get pass rush, where it's like we're going to send four and we have a guy that can get home, especially if Daniel Hunter's not here, then maybe you have to kind of concoct things the way they did in the past. But I think you also need guys that you trust in the back end because you know there, I mean, we talked about it last season. There are times where they're leaving zones – uncovered in that defense and saying we're going to get home before you can get the ball there and they had a few teams say you know what Um, we're going to get the ball out quick but we're still going to take shots because we think we can win jump balls on you guys and they did there were members of the secondary who told you that we're this is so new that we're just leaving parts of the field uncovered yeah yeah Um, because we're going to blitz so many people so often that we're just going to count on pressure getting there before the ball can reach the you know, deep third on the on the right yeah, side of the field. Right. Yeah, there was a lot of like, well, what happens? Like, we'll figure it out if it does, <laughs> but we're not going to worry about it right now. I mean, some of it was like we saw it throughout the season. They were still kind of figuring all of this out. I mean, that Eagles game, mm-hmm. they they still were not really sure what they were doing defensively. So there was a lot of things that had to kind of get figured out as they go. Um, but, yeah, I think if you get different personnel – it's going to change. And I mean, that, that was the big takeaway from when I talked to people from my profile of him at the beginning of the season, Lance Bennett, his, his close friend from, uh, the, the Brooklyn area of Brooklyn where they grew up and then, um, has been on a number of his staffs, you know, Lance Bennett said, 
it's not a system. It's a mindset. It's and the phrase he uses, what's in the cupboard. I mean, you basically grow up, you know, you talked about it, you grow up poor. It's well, what, you know, it's not, what do we want for dinner? It's what do we have? Yeah. And how do we make a good meal out of what we have and not sit here and say, well, it would be great to have this and this and this. It's like, look, we don't, yeah. we have to just figure it out. So he said, that's how he works. And I think as we look at what this defense will be in 2024, it's a different cupboard yeah. than it was in 23. So it's going to be what's in this cupboard and how do we adapt to that? Uh, I would have to imagine Brian is going to have a lot more influence on picking those ingredients yes. and those ingredients um, for the cupboard because, boy, do they need a lot of help. And yeah. this is a huge year for, for Quasey, obviously, and that's the undercurrent of everything we're talking about when it comes to the quarterback decision, when it comes to the Jefferson negotiations, when it comes to the depth on this team. I'd ask Quasey about how, do you, how did you leave 2023 evaluating that defense given the ebbs and flows, given how well they played at times versus how poorly they played at times. He did mention that throughout the year, opponents kind of figured us out. Yep. And But then he also said, we didn't have depth. Yep. You know, we just didn't. And he, he took the accountability for that. He said that's on him, and it, frankly it is, obviously. You can point to the 2022 draft class that we all love to talk about how poor it was. It was all defensive players, basically. Yep. Um, and I like a Caleb Evans a lot, but I feel like he got exposed by the end of the year as well as a guy who should probably be just a depth corner. Yeah. I mean, a couple of those moments at the end of the season that tipped games. Yeah. He was heavily involved. Yeah, and so and he's got the size. He's got, he's got all the things you would think to make it work. It just didn't come together under Flores at least this first year. Um, and, and surely the way that they're – how empty this cupboard is, he'll probably find a way back onto the field at yeah. some point in 2024. Um, it'll just be fascinating to see how they go about it because this is supposed to be a pretty good edge class as well. It's supposed to be a pretty good interior defensive – well – there's supposed to be at least a couple names that are first round worthy on the interior defensive line. Like Byron Murphy, and not to be confused with Byron Murphy. Another Byron Murphy. Byron Murphy too, <laughs> not Texas. to be confused with Byron Murphy Jr. And Byron Murphy said, because everybody wants to know who's beating with who, that he met with the Vikings yes. at the combine. That's big news because they met with a hundred prospects. We ha- we went from <laughs> yeah yeah they meet with a lot of people. We would go from having the only two Dalvins in the league to having two Byron Murphys that are that would just I mean the the number of times you would hear uh who are you talking about in press conferences would yeah. I mean hit the over on that if they draft Byron Murphy too it really from, would uh Texas uh they yeah they need a lot of help on the defensive line we'll spend months talking about that through free agency in the draft we should mention quick too that uh, the Vikings ranked second on the NFLPA's annual report card. They fell. They fell it's from number apart. one. It, it's, they fell apart. They fell from number one all the way down to number two. And Mike McDaniel, who was shouting over Quasey <laughs> at the podium nearby as they were both speaking at the same time, also shouted over the Vikings on that NFLPA card because he gets the top marks. Kevin O'Connell also got top marks, gets an A+. Uh, this, to be clear, this is a player-voted thing. The NFLPA, the union, started this last year yep. where they want players to put out their, their workplace conditions. They're not grading coaches on how good of a coach they are. They're just grading them on the workplace environment. How nice is it to go to work? You know, how basically what are the conditions like from the weight room, the training staff? Child to, care. Yeah, child care, family treatment, nutrition. How does the coach... They asked him, like, do, do you feel like the head coach makes the most of your time? Do you feel like the head coach listens to you? All those things. And I think Kevin O'Connell ranked number one on 
the specific subcategory of does the head coach listen? To yes, me? listen to me. Yep. Um, the Vikings were the only team to have an A plus in, in head coach and owner, which were two new categories yep. this year. Um, and Kevin O'Connell said that meant more to me because this year was one. This, when I say this year, meaning 2023, was one where we didn't have the veteran leadership we normally have. Right. It was a younger team. I mean, you think about the guys they got rid of. Eric Kendricks, you know, longtime leader, captain. Yeah. Uh, Adam Thielen, same thing. Uh, Dalvin Cook, veteran in that group. Um, I mean, Zedaria Smith is a veteran, not probably somebody that has that level of, you know, reputation in the locker room but they lost but, alvin tomlinson another right. guy who was very respected yep in the locker yep. room yep. so a lot of changes in that regard to that group so um yeah it, it was a different feel and and he had to kind of work to recreate that leadership mm-hmm. kind of counsel that he talks about and, and has leaned on so yeah i i think it was i mean uh, how much does that stuff translate to winning games or not? I mean, it might tip somebody's decision in free agency, I suppose. But, um, you know, I, I think it certainly is something that means a lot to them because it validates some of what they've talked about yeah. a lot. Um, the part that stood out to me, too, is in that you asked about was it the part where they fell in the grades was mm-hmm. the training staff. And that raises red flags, obviously, because, you know, the Vikings came from a training staff under Eric Sugarman, which was – fairly exposed after Eric left and Mike left Zimmer. Um, So you get Tyler Williams in here, you get Uriah Murray in here. It it looks like, and they were ranked number one in training staff a year ago. Now a year later they fire Uriah Mm -hmm. and they're ranked ninth. And one of the lower marks they had, and this is still top 10, but one of the lower marks they had was interactions with trainers in the training room. And from my understanding, from what you've written, Uriah was mostly involved with that. Yes. Yeah. And so it sounds like they didn't hire anybody though. It sounds like from what O'Connell said today, they want Tyler to have, and his staff underneath them to have more responsibilities, more of a hands-on role and fill those shoes. Yeah. I think that's where they're going. And they're, when I had, like written about it a few weeks back it was still sort of they're trying to figure out whether Tyler Williams will kind of do it directly or they'll hire somebody else certainly sounded from what Kevin O'Connell said today like it will be the former that Tyler Williams is going to be more hands-on more kind of through and through involved and, and I think a lot of people are very high on Tyler Williams in that building I, I think players have liked Tyler Williams as well but yes I I think a lot of what we had heard is probably reflected in that survey. Like some of the interactions there were, I think, probably what drove yeah. a lot of the decisions to change it. And O'Connell said today there were things that were below our standard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So some things fell below our standard. And what's also we should note is that there were a lot more people in the training room this time around. 2022 was a pretty healthy year. Among them, guys who carry a lot of weight. Yes. Kirk, Jefferson, um, Jordan Hicks, I'm sure. Yep. Like, there, there are a lot of veterans that were in that room that were injured that would have Kevin's ear. And yep. I think when Kevin said, through my dialogue with players that I routinely have, some things came up. Yep. Um, yep. So anyway, put it all together. They, they wanted a new, more uh, maybe player-friendly, to read between the lines, yeah. uh, trainer on hand. And that's not to say that Uriah was the next Eric Sugarman, but – because uh, you heard stories where Fadio Denebo was coming out saying, I couldn't even get a bag of ice without this guy jeering me. Uh, whatever. Anyway. It was, there was a lot. <laughs> there was a lot. Um, all right. Well, this will be it for the 
Indianapolis edition of the Access Vikings podcast. You guys can find all of our work we're writing every day for StarTribune.com. Um, please make sure you go there. Click the links. Even if you don't read it, just click the link. You know, we we got we to get those clicks. Clicks do not pay our bills, but they, they make help. us feel better they about help. ourselves. I yeah, suppose. they help. <laughs> anyway, thank you guys for clicking on this. We'll talk to you again next time.